I call on the Lord in my distress, and he answers me. Save me, Lord, from lying lips and from deceitful tongues. What will he do to you, and what more besides, you deceitful tongue? He will punish you with a warrior's sharp arrows, with burning coals of the broom bush. Woe to me that I dwell in Meshech, that I live among the tents of Kedar. Too long have I lived among those who hate peace. I am for peace, but when I speak, they are for war. That is Psalm 120. So if you have not yet turned to Psalm 120, you can find it in the scripture. Like Buzz says, this psalm starts the Psalms of Ascent. And so we're going to be journeying over the next seven weeks from Psalm 120 to Psalm 135, following this pilgrimage that the Israelites would take several times a year sometimes to the holy city Jerusalem. And so I want to give credit where credit is due. We've got one time a year that I love to take a series and put it into the hands of some of our staff. And so this is a series that Pastor Buzz and a few others have collaborated on to design the series. And so a lot of times when I preach it, I get the credit for it. Uh, this is going to be an amazing series with really great themes. And I'm preaching the first half of it. And I'm going to hand it over to our staff team who's going to take the second half and uh, take us through the second half of the Psalms of Ascent. So Psalm 120 is where it it starts, and as you noticed, as you heard Arasika read it on the screen, Psalm 120 is kind of a downer. <laughs> you kind of can catch the tone. One of the ways that you can read the Psalms is, is as poetry, because that is the genre of the Psalms, and so part of what poetry does is it hits us emotionally, and you can hear from the very beginning that the psalmist is crying out to the Lord from a lonely place. The title of the sermon is A Lament for Loneliness. I was thinking a lot about loneliness and this concept of Psalms for the Summer Road, and I have this really distinct memory in my own mind of a moment during a road trip where the emotion of loneliness just came over me. I think I was in sixth grade. My family, we always took these great road trips during the summer. We'd visit these national parks. We'd go camping. We'd stay at motels with pools that we'd find in the AAA guide, right? We loved it. It was so fun. But as a sixth grader, I started to, had started to build a life for my own outside of my family unit. I had friends at home. I had routines in the summer. And I remember getting about halfway through our vacation. And we we're on this like 12-hour driving day. My sister and I in the back of my parents' station wagon, and I'm like leaning on my pillow, looking at the clouds go by on the open road, and this unfamiliar, this new ache started to take over my heart in that moment as I was thinking about my friends that I hadn't seen in a couple weeks, as I was thinking about my bed that I hadn't slept in, as I was thinking about my routine and all the Pop-Tarts that were going uneaten in my kitchen over the time that I had been away, as I thought about the girl that I had a crush on and whether or not my other friends were trying to sneak in on that potential relationship, which never materialized. And all these thoughts were swelling in me and over me, these glimpses of home. And I started to feel lonely, even in the midst of my own family, isolated in my own family car, and just wishing that I could hit the fast forward button and, and be home again, be connected again, be back in the rhythms of life again with, with these other folks that, that I had started to connect with. It was this own lament out of my own heart, out of this moment of loneliness. Now the word for that in the English language is homesickness. 
And I want to challenge you, if you take some time this week to read Psalm 120, to, to read it through the lens of homesickness. I think this is the best way to understand Psalm 120, especially in the context of the Psalms of Ascent. We see a psalmist here who is longing for something familiar, who's feeling not at home in the place where he dwells. That's where he ends, right? He says, woe to me that I dwell in Meshech, that I live among the tents of Kedar. I don't like living here. I wish I was back, back at home. Now, I want to tease out this concept of homesickness today because I think this is the emotion that we experience in the Christian life often that we never have really been able to put a, a finger on. Because I think this year especially, this last 15 months, I think a lot of us have been feeling unsettled in our hearts, like something is missing, like we want to be somewhere else, like we don't belong in this place. I've talked to a lot of people who say, I just need to move. I, I need to go find a place where I'm more like the people in another culture, where the politics are different, or the situation is different, or the community is different, where people know their neighbors, where people are nicer. And I just, woe to me that I dwell in Alameda County, Right? Why do I live among the tents of Gavin Newsom, right? There's this longing that people have experienced that, that they just feel like if they found a new place to dwell, they would find home there because they don't feel at home here right now. And who knows, right? They never lived in Atlanta either or Dallas either or Austin either or Boise either, right? But there's just something in them that all they know is that this place doesn't feel at home right now. I think this is a common emotion that Christians can experience, even especially through times of trauma like we've experienced, is this longing to be somewhere different with different people. On one hand, right, we come back to church and some of us are getting a glimpse of home, but other times we're coming back to church and it's like, this doesn't feel the same, right? I'm, I don't get to hug people. I don't get to see people face to face and talk to them mouth to mouth yet, right? I, I don't get to sit near them. The rhythms are different. It feels different. The vibe has changed. It, even this doesn't feel like home anymore. And a lot of us have felt in this place where I feel like I'm longing for something different. And I don't know what it is, but I know that this isn't it. You know, I've been meeting with a, a lot of different pastors around our community and around our nation in the last few weeks. And every pastor has the same story about their church community. They said, everyone is tired. Everyone is sad. Everyone's had a really hard year, and it feels like everyone is trying to find a new church, right? So sometimes we get together with pastors in Castor Valley, we talk about, okay, which church are your people going to, right? Are people going to this church? And then I ask that person, where are they? Oh, my people are going to this church, and their people are going to this church, right? And those people are coming back to our church, right? It's, we're all shuffling deck chairs on the Titanic right now because it feels like this whole ship, this whole world is going down in flames, and if we just had something different, it might feel a little bit more like home because we long for something familiar, for something nostalgic, for something warming. Because whatever home feels like, this last year hasn't been it. The psalmist gives us a lament for loneliness. So we're going to take a look at this psalm today and walk through what we can learn from lament. And it'll be interesting because maybe you've never studied a lament psalm before or maybe you're not comfortable dwelling in sadness. We're going to dwell in sadness, but then the arch of the psalms of ascent will give us a way to find restoration out of it. And so we're going to dive right into Psalm 120, kind of set the tone with verses 1 through 2. So put your eyes there. As the psalmist says this, I call on the Lord in my distress and he answers me. Save me, Lord, from lying lips 
and from deceitful tongues. Save me, Lord. See the L-O-R-D. He uses Yahweh, the, the covenant people's name for God. Our God. I call out to my God from a foreign place. I call out to the God of my covenant when I feel far from home. I'm calling out to the Lord when I feel like I live in a land where people don't believe like I do. They don't act like I do. They're coming against me. They're being aggressive towards me. I feel isolated and alone. And I call out to the Lord from this lonely place. If you want to take notes today, you can write this down. Christians can find themselves homesick when they find themselves lonely on their mission. Christians can get homesick when they find themselves lonely on their mission. That's one of the interesting things about a Christian is as a Christian person, you can actually find yourself homesick at home. A lot of things change when you become a believer in Jesus Christ. One of the things that change is that you get a new country of residence, right? Paul in Philippians 3.20 says that our citizenship is in heaven. We eagerly await a savior from there. If you've become a believer in Jesus, you no longer are a citizen of whatever country you're a citizen of. Now you're a citizen of a heavenly kingdom. And one thing that happens as we start to kind of find our bearings as a citizen of this heavenly place is that the world doesn't seem like home to us anymore. We find ourselves feeling like we don't fit in anymore. We find ourselves lamenting when we feel lonely on our mission here on planet Earth. There's a theologian named Sung Chan Ra who says that lament is a cry for shalom, for peace. Uh, This cry that, God, the world is not as it should be. People don't act the way they should act. They don't believe the way they should believe. They don't follow you the way they should follow you, right? You might have a lament for your workplace. God, these people aren't acting in alignment with how you would call people act. You might have a lament for your culture. You might have a lament for your family, for your extended family, for this season, for the health of your relatives. God, this world is not woven together the way it should be woven together. God, you've placed me in this place to change the world. God, I cry out to you because I don't feel like the world is changing. I feel like the world is coming at me. And I don't feel at home here and I don't feel effective here. And I'm in distress, God. And I call out to you. God, I pray that you answer me. I know that you answer me. God, this isn't working. This isn't working. I'm lonely and alone in a foreign place and it isn't working. This is lament and coming out from the psalmist's heart. There's a chance if you've been a Christian for a while, you know exactly what I'm talking about, right? You've, you've been in this struggle where the world does not seem to be your home anymore. And yet there's also a chance, I realize that, that you might be sitting out here or watching online and you're thinking, Danny, I, I have no idea what you're talking about. This is awesome. I love it here. I feel like I'm with my people. I love this world. Honestly, I'm not sure if I want to go to heaven because I like this place, right? You don't understand when the Apostle Paul says, I desire, it's better by far to depart from this world and be with Jesus. You're thinking, what is, what in the world is he talking about? It feels like this is my home. I I like it. Is it bad that I like it? Maybe. Maybe you're an amazing missionary here on planet Earth and you just love it so much because you love the game, right? But I think there is a chance that that some of us have become so acclimated to this world here that we don't feel homesick because we haven't really tethered our citizenship to this new place, this kingdom of heaven yet. 
And I was talking to somebody a few weeks ago who, who um, had emigrated here from another place and was part of a community of folks who had all come from these different countries. And we talked a little bit about homesickness in, in relationship to immigration. Like, what does it feel like when you're in a foreign country, in a foreign city, in a place where you don't speak the language, where you don't know anybody, where you don't know how to order at restaurants? What does that feel like? And the person I was talking to said, it feels a lot like this. It feels lonely. You feel like you're underwater. It feels isolating. I said, well, what do you do? He said, well, there's one of two things that people normally do, right? Number one, they go find a community of people who are from their country, who speak their language, right? They go find a a diaspora community of other folks who are removed from there, and they find home away from home, right? It's in this area where we all speak the same language, and we can eat the same foods, and we have the same markets, right? You find a culture similar to your culture from home, and you kind of exist in this bubble out from the outside world. So that's one way. The other way is you just, you just tough it out, right? Because he says it takes about five years, and after five years, America becomes your home, and you start feeling not connected anymore, to the place that you've come from. You go back and you think, this doesn't, this doesn't feel like home anymore. So that's normally what happens when someone moves to another place. And I thought, you know what's interesting? I feel like that's what happens to Christians most of the time too. You come to faith, you become a believer in Jesus Christ, and for a while you feel like, man, I don't fit in in this world. Like I've, I'm different now, I've changed. I remember becoming a Christian and thinking, my family doesn't understand me. No one speaks my language. I've transformed and I'm a stranger in a strange household, literally, right? That's how I felt as a, as a strange child in my strange house. And so I, I remember having a season of feeling like I didn't belong, but that season ended quickly because I found Christian town, right? It was three crosses. I came up here and everybody spoke the Christian language. I was in the youth group. We went on trips together. I got a no social network. All my other friends I kind of pushed out of my life and, and I absorbed new Christian friends and new Christian habits and new Christian language and new Christian music, right? I took on the whole subculture. I found my life within this Christian bubble. And I thought, ah, finally I feel at home in this world again. I don't think that's what I was supposed to do. I don't think that's how God designed us to live. I don't think God designed us to live as like in a a bubble in a strange land. But I think that's what a lot of us naturally gravitate towards is we just find a Christian bubble to insulate us from the world that we don't like anymore, that feels alien to us. That happens to some of us. I think some of us, on the other hand, we don't do that. And we just kind of hunker down. We, We... tough it out, and five years later, after coming to Christ, it's like we kind of, all those feelings kind of disappear. We, we don't feel lonely anymore. We don't feel like the world's not at home anymore. We kind of re-fall in love with the world again. It's like the Apostle John saying, do not love the world or anything in the world. I think that's from this temptation, where it seems like, well, no, the world is my home, and so let's make the best of it. And you kind of re-up and kind of lose all that initial fervor you had for Christianity and instead you've now are a participant in the systems of this world again. I think those natural things that happen to people who move to another country naturally happen to us Christians when we step into faith is we either find a bubble of Christians or or we kind of lose sight of our mission and we just start feeling comfortable in the world again. This is probably why this last year has been so hard for many of us is because we used to feel comfortable in this country. Now we don't anymore which I would say that maybe this discomfort we've been feeling is God shaking us up a little bit to say, okay, remember, this is not your home. We are supposed to feel like strangers in a strange place. 
I have a buddy who grew up in Bangladesh as a missionary kid, and that was his home. But he was totally different because he was a missionary American kid in Bangladesh, so he didn't feel quite at home in Bangladesh, but he loved the mission. God had him there. And then his family moved home to the States. They'd come back on furlough, and, and he looked like people in his hometown, just race and all that, but didn't fit in there because he had this Bengali culture he was bringing with him into Michigan or wherever he was living, and, and just kind of said, I, I just felt like growing up that I didn't fit in anywhere. Right, because I'd be in Bangladesh and I was there on mission. It wasn't home, but it was God's plan for us. Then I'd be back in the States and I didn't fit in there and I didn't like the culture and people were so weird in America, but nobody accepted me because I was this person from another culture. He said, I felt like a third culture kid. That I have no, this is not my culture. This is not my culture. I have this weird, my family culture and I don't fit in anywhere. I prefer to be on mission where I don't fit in as opposed to be in a place of comfort where I don't fit in but I just feel like I never could find a tether at home anywhere in this world. I would guess that that's probably how we're supposed to feel as we live here in this world. Not overly comforted in a Christian bubble, not overly comforted with the world outside the doors, but kind of as a third culture person where we love being part of the church. It's a beautiful glimpse of heaven, but we know we're called to be part of the world. And even though we don't fit in in the world, we hunker down there and we serve there. We live on mission there. And yet sometimes as we live on that journey, it's hard. It's lonely. I feel like things aren't working out the way that they should. God, I stepped into this marriage for this reason and it fell apart. I feel like this is not working out the way that it should. God, I stepped into this workplace because you called me to be a missionary there, but it's not working. What do I do? God, I stepped into this family to make a difference, but I'm not making any difference. I feel like everyone's against me. Everybody hates me and I'm so lonely, surrounded by people. In this life, you've called me to live. I don't think we can move too far through the psalm without bringing out what the psalmist does right away is he says, I call on the Lord in my distress. Now, if you're taking notes, here's one thing you can do. When you find yourself lonely, call upon the Lord. When you find yourself lonely, call upon the Lord. Remember, he says, and he answers me. Now, what would you expect the psalmist to pray in a moment like this? God, please give me comfort. God, please bring me friends. God, please help me see that that I'm here for a reason, I'm in this season, in this country for a mission. God, please help me see fruitfulness. Let lives be transformed by my presence here. That's what we'd expect the psalmist to say. But here's what he says instead. He says, save me, Lord, from lying lips and deceitful tongues. And then he says something that kind of threw me off when I first read this. He says, what will he do to you and what more besides you deceitful tongue?" He will punish you with a warrior's sharp arrows, with a burning coals of the broom bush. And he starts calling down fire and brimstone on the people in the country in which he lives. Now, if you're taking notes, write down, now start calling down fire and brimstone on your neighbors. And, right, what are we supposed to do with this? Right, sometimes we read the scriptures like it's just a prescription of how to act. I don't think a psalm of lament is a prescription of how to act. I think we need to understand that a psalm of lament is an honest declaration of someone's emotions in a hard moment. And in this hard moment, the psalmist starts asking God in his prayer to destroy his wicked enemies. I'm not going to ask if you've ever prayed a prayer that God would destroy your wicked enemies. But I think the two things that we see in this psalmist's cry is number one, his pain and loneliness. 
And number two, we do get to see a glimpse that the psalmist understands that it's God's job to bring judgment on a broken world, not his. Right? He doesn't say, God, I've prayed, so now I'm going to go out and I'm going to destroy these people. Right? He doesn't say that. He doesn't say, God, I've got my sword. Give me success as I cut down my coworkers. He doesn't say that. Right? He says, God, please do your work of judgment. Do your work of justice. That's your job. My job is to dwell here among these people and live for peace. Right? That's the next line. doesn't sound like a person who just said the last line. But he says, too long I have lived among those who hate peace. I am for peace. The guy who said, God, destroy my enemies. I am for peace. But when I speak, they are for war. You got to see in this tense that the psalmist is saying, God, I know you've put me in this place to bring shalom, to weave together the fabric of society, to be a presence of God in this place. But God, I'm telling you, these people are wicked and evil. They need your judgment. I'm not going to do it. That's your job. I'm going to keep bringing forth peace. But I'm telling you, they're not listening to me. They hate me. They just keep coming at me. There's so many rumors about me. God, this is so hard. Please do your thing and I'm going to do my thing. But it's not working, right? It's that circular understanding of God, I'm here for a season, for a reason. But God, I, I feel like the people around me don't understand the reason I'm here for this season. They're not listening to my message. They're not being changed by my presence. If anything, they just talk garbage about me all day long. God, I cry out to you. You answer me. My prayer is that you destroy them. But until you do, I'm going to hunker down and do what I can to live out this mission you've given me in this foreign, difficult place. As I was, as I was reading through this psalm these last few weeks, I got this image in my mind of that Matt Damon movie, The Martian. Did you see that movie? Uh, if you're not into space movies, don't watch it, right? It's one of those scary movies where someone gets trapped on a foreign planet millions of miles from home, right? And it's lonely and it's terrifying and it's scary. And I kept picturing the psalmist feeling like Matt Damon in this movie where everything keeps going wrong. Everything's falling apart. At the next corner, I could die at the sword of my enemies. This is so hard. And all he has is this lifeline back to God who is millions of miles away. It's one of those moments where when you're in a foreign land, you're feeling homesick and you're feeling sad, you can pick up the phone and call your mom, right, or call your best friend back in your home place. And it's a beautiful thing, but at the same time, it's difficult because they're millions of miles away. You want a hug? They don't give hugs over the phone. You want reassurance? They can give that, but they can't come alongside you and help you. When you hang up the phone, you're still alone and you're waiting for help from afar, This is how the psalmist is treating this experience. God, I'm praying to you, wherever you are, (laughs) down here it's real hard. God, you answer me. God, this is hard. You know, we like psalms that after the prayer, then it kind of turns the corner, right? It says, and God, I know that you answer, you are good, and you're going to send deliverance. This psalm doesn't go that direction. This is a psalm of lament, right? This is a poem that somebody writes in a dark moment. This is when you wake up in the middle of the night feeling guilty. You don't know why. You go to your journal. You write it all down. You think, oh, my goodness, right? This is a hard season. This is what Psalm 120 is about, A moment in life when you feel alone and heartbroken on a lonely mission, longing to be in a place that's different, 
longing to see rescue from your God that is not seeming to come, longing to see fruit in a mission that you're not seeing fruit in, longing for the rumors about you to stop that don't seem to be stopping, longing to see transformation in a world that is not transforming, and you're just laying it out before the Lord. I want to encourage any of you who felt like that in this season, maybe what you need to do is write a Psalm 120 this week. Just sit down, right? You don't have to be restorative in it. Just lay it out. Say, God, this is what I wish you would do, right? See what happens as you write down, use this as a pattern. God, this is what I'm crying to you. This is how I'm feeling. This is what I wish that you would do. This is what people are doing to me. I hate living here. This is so hard. Write it down and look at it, right? Look at it the next day. And just see what emotion God is doing in you as you cry out to him from the depths of despair. Your lament is normally an uncomfortable emotion, especially for those of us in the West, in an affluent place, where we're not used to not having the resources we need. We're not used to not having the freedoms we want. We're not used to being limited by these different things. We're not used to trauma in our lives at a daily or everyday basis. So many of us have never experienced the emotions we've experienced in the last year because we love joy, we love happiness, we love silver linings, we love happy endings. But this has not been a year where we felt like we've had a lot of happy endings. So even as we're coming out of it these next few weeks, some of us are feeling like we're still waiting for the other shoe to drop. This has been a season of lament. A season that maybe what you've been experiencing is homesickness. And you've actually thought, you know what, God, I just wish I was back at home with you in heaven when things are right. Because this mission you've given me, 2020, was not a good year to live it here on planet Earth. We don't see a lot of redemption in Psalm 120. So the question becomes, if homesickness is the disease, what is the cure? (laughs) How do we come out of this, right? Is it the moral of the story? Life sucks, then you die, and then you get to go to heaven? Congratulations, or what? What are we supposed to learn from reading a psalm of lament? I think on one hand, we learn that, that we are not alone. A lot of times in the scriptures where where people are lamenting, you think of Elijah after the prophets of Baal and he runs that cave and he's lamenting to the Lord. He says, God, they've killed, killed all the prophets and I'm the only one left. And God says, no, you're not. There's tons of us, right? You just can't see them. They're out there. You just don't know them. Part of the lament journey of the Christian sojourner is to realize that we're all lamenting together in these different places. We're all having hard lives. We're all sheltering in place apart. We're all having a hard time at work. All of our workplaces have everyone quitting right now. All of our friend groups have everyone moving right now. All of us feel like we don't belong here right now. This common lament that we can experience as a culture reminds us that our experiences are not absolutely unique, that part of the Christian journey is seasons of deep hardship. And yet I think the ultimate thing that God's going to teach us in this series through the Psalms of Lament, or through this Psalm of Lament, is the way that this Psalm fits in the structure of where we're going to go over the next seven weeks. Like Pastor Buzz said, the the Psalms of Ascent, Aaron said this at the beginning too, is are these Psalms that the Israelites would sing on their journey to the festivals in Jerusalem. Three different festivals a year would be had where folks would make these sojourns back to the holy city, Jerusalem. Passover was the biggest one. Remember in Jesus' day, I think 300, 400,000 
believers would go to Jerusalem for the Passover festival. It was this unbelievable time where people would leave the foreign lands. They'd leave the pagan cities. They'd leave the faraway places. They'd leave these lands where they were not at home and they would all sojourn together to Jerusalem and have this glimpse of something beautiful, worship in God's place with God's people, in God's presence, at God's temple. And it was like everything, heaven met earth in the temple of God in the holy city. This is what the Psalms of Ascent were, were the Psalms that they would sing as they would make those journeys up towards Jerusalem. So Psalm 120 is dark, but Psalm 120 is where they would start. And before they journeyed to this beautiful place called Jerusalem for this beautiful festival called Passover, for example, they would say, God, it's hard to live far from your people. God, it's hard to live far from your heavenly city. God, it's hard to live far from your presence. God, it's hard to live in a pagan land. God, it's so hard to be out there. So the next page of the Psalms, they could say, God, that's why we're going to start venturing towards there. That's why we're going to make this journey to gather with your people and catch a glimpse of heaven here on earth. I was thinking about homesickness in my own life these last few weeks and I think the only couple of times in my life that I've experienced a cure for homesickness, like on international trips far from home, uh, was in the silliest ways. Because uh, I remember I, I would like call home and I'd just feel like, oh, I just miss all these people at home. That didn't work. And I just started missing being at home. And I have this distinct memory. Uh, I, was in, uh, <laughs> I was in London one time on this international trip and, and just feel like, man, I just have been gone for too long. Right, I've been eating this dumb British food, no offense if you're from England, right? And I can't do any more of whatever it was, bangers and mash or whatever. Like. And I remember we were walking, I think it was past the London Bridge or something, and I looked over and I saw under the bridge like a green circle with a Starbucks logo in it. And I'm like, <gasps> like it felt like I had just found the American embassy, right? And I looked inside the doors and I knew what the temperature would be in that room I knew what was on the menu. I knew I could order it and not have to say, and what exactly is that, right? I knew the general price that I would pay. I knew what the barista would sound like and act like. I knew what the drink would taste like. I knew it would feel like in my stomach, right? Kind of like going to McDonald's in some foreign city, right? I, I walked into Starbucks and I feel like I'm home just for a minute, right? I don't even know what I ordered, but I ordered something that I would always order at home. And I sat there on the chairs that were the same color as the chairs in Alameda County Starbucks, right? And I remember thinking, this is amazing. I feel like I just went home for a minute. And that nostalgia. I felt the same way watching the Friends reunion this last week. I had to go see the Friends set again. I'm like, oh my God, I'm back home again in Central Perk, right? That's how I felt. I remember being with Mark Tyler in Sri Lanka and we're eating Sri Lankan food for two weeks and it was amazing, right? But then they're like, we want to take you to this restaurant called Chicken Hut. I'm like, Chicken Hut, right? And it looks like a pizza hut, but they serve chicken. And I'm like, close enough, right? This just feels like it's enough like home that I almost get this boost that kind of is this vaccine against the homesickness I've been feeling. Because in the foreign place, I had an experience that reminded me that there is a world where I feel at home. And there is a world where I feel comfortable and there is a world where I feel like I know what I'm doing and I know what to order and I know how to exist and I don't feel like an outlier. That world exists somewhere so I can come back out of the Starbucks and enjoy London, which is a beautiful city too, right? Because I remember I'm here on vacation. This is not my home. 
I think if you're in a season of homesickness in your life and you just wish life was different, let me give you a glimpse of the cure that we're going to take seven weeks to journey on together. The secret of overcoming homesickness is creating rhythms that regularly give you a taste of home. And these are the rhythms that God has created for us. Remember the first time you came back to church after the pandemic, those of you who were in the room with us today, right? It's like, oh my gosh, we're here, right? That was a rhythm that gave you this taste of home, right? That quickly was followed by this lament of like, where is everybody and why is there so much distance between us and I can't see that person's face, right? And a new type of lament swelled over us. But for a moment, your first Sunday, it felt like, yes, this was the Starbucks in London, right? I remember this place. It's where we've got these rhythms again. Or the first time your small group got back together again. You, you, you were on Zoom and it was terrible, but it lasted and it was okay, right? And then you got to a point where you guys, whatever, for whatever reason, you came back in the house again. You met as a small group with the people that you love from church. And it felt like, yes, this is real again. Life is coming back together again. Right? Some of you are thinking out about the mask mandate. The moment I could take off my mask, I'll feel like I'm at home again, right? There's these rhythms in life that give us a glimpse of something comfortable again. If you are a Christian sojourner, you are here on this earth for a season, for a mission, and you feel like you don't fit in in this place. The secret to overcoming Christian homesickness is regularly creating rhythms that give you a glimpse of your heavenly home. We've been talking with our staff during COVID of, of what does it look like to create rhythms for our people coming out of COVID and kind of the one, two, three-step punch we, we created for our people is gather, grow, go. Right? We need to create these rhythms where we can gather together as the people to God, of God, where we can grow in our faith and be equipped, where we can be sent back out on our mission into the world in Jesus' name. We need those rhythms. As if you've just been living in the world, trying to live on God's mission, but you're not gathering with God's people, you're going to languish and die out there. If you're not growing in your faith, you're going to languish and die out there. We've got to come together, get this glimpse of heaven as we sing praises to God, as he inhabits the praises of, our, of his people in this place. These rhythms that we have created as Christian sojourners in the world are rhythms that God has designed for us to give us beautiful tastes of heaven in a world that seems like hell a lot of the time. If you're at home and you have not yet come back to church, maybe the, one of the things that I can say is I would guess that people in this room are experiencing a greater taste of the kingdom than we've experienced when we're still at home over this last year, right? Church Online was an amazing gift that God gave us to stay connected with some content, to stay kind of connected in the chat room with some people. You got to see my face. I don't know if that helped you or hurt you, right, during the pandemic. But then coming back, there's something different. Even though it feels different right now, there's something that is thawing in us as we start to experience the rhythm of Christian life with real people, with God's people, as we're leaving our different workplaces and coming to this hill, as we're leaving our different family units and coming to this hill, as we're leaving the seasons of various types of hardship and coming back to this hill into this place with God's people and we assemble like we talked about last week and we experience the, the communion meal together, we experience worship together. As we gather in our small groups and we leave our jobs, we leave our homes, come to our small groups, we gather in these rhythms where we can experience a taste of what the world is supposed to be like and then be equipped to be sent back out to live on the mission God has given us while we're here. So I don't know what that means for you and your rhythms. I want to challenge all of you, whatever that next step is, to to take a next step to bring rhythms into your life that give you a glimpse of heaven in this next season. 
Right, maybe you need to read the Bible and pray. That's amazing. But reading the Bible and praying a lot of times is like calling your mom from a far, faraway place. Then you hang up the phone and you realize she's still 3,000 miles away. But part of the place that God has given us to experience him is in a community where he is here with us. We also need us and God together. Or maybe your small group needs to come back together after a season of hiatus. Maybe on Zoom, maybe in real life, maybe you're ready. And our small groups ministry has started up a, a new season through this psalm. So we're going to go through all 150 psalms over the summer. So we have a podcast that's coming out. It's actually out right now. You can go to threecrosses.org slash podcasts. And four days a week, we're going to give out podcasts that help equip you to have discussions around the psalms. Psalm 1 through Psalm 150. Maybe your small group should gather around those things. Maybe it's time for you to come on back to church. Maybe if you've been coming back to church, it's time for you to start talking to some people around you safely, right, and all that. Maybe it's time to just realize that your rhythms are right, but it's gonna take time for it to feel like home again. But whatever you do, if you are feeling lonely, if you're feeling let down, if you are lamenting the loss of the year we've had, don't stay alone when you're lonely reconnect with the people of God. Reconnect with the rhythms God has established for us as his people. And as we go on the journey through this summer, even through the Psalms of Ascent, we'll see that God thaws over the next 15 Psalms our hearts to a place that by Psalm 135, we are worshiping and praising and we feel like we're at home again. Now we're gonna transition in a moment to a time of communion. And this is a a perfect Sunday to do communion because A, we were equipped for communion last Sunday. If you missed that message, watch uh, Dr. Packham's message from last Sunday. Two, because communion is literally the thing that Jesus gave us to give us a taste of home. And they had this communion we're gonna receive today, if you came in and you grabbed one of those little cup and bread packets, right? You know that this is like the lamest excuse for communion ever designed by humans, right? It's like, Remember those old like handy snacks things that we do with a little bread stick and the, that's what it feels like communion is like this is a sad glimpse of home but it's a glimpse of home nonetheless, right? So as we eat this bread and drink this cup today, it's a reminder that there is something that tastes like home and that something is Jesus and his presence, his body for us, his blood for us. He is our home. He is preparing a place for us in heaven right now and whether you get a small taste of communion like today or you're at home and you're like ripping up a baguette, like you're having real communion, amazing, right? But you're missing the people aspect of it, right? And so let's remember not only is communion a glimpse of our real home in heaven, but even the communion meal you experience today, the thimble of joy, what it, what it is for all of us is a reminder that the world is starting to thaw, that communion will become a little more normal as we come out of this thing, and yet this is a glimpse that we're going in the right direction. So I'm gonna pray, we're gonna sing one more song as we prepare our hearts for the communion meal. If you have not yet grabbed the elements, you can sneak out during the song and grab a little uh, cup from the area in the middle of the lobby right there. If you're at home, grab some bread, grab some juice, grape juice or wine, and we will receive communion together in a few minutes. But let me pray for us, and then we'll move into communion together.